Hey podcasters, I just wanted to take this opportunity. This is our promo before our main show. I just want to make sure that you are part of our amazing Facebook community. It is for active creative entrepreneurs and professional business owners from around the globe. It is not one of those spammy, it's all about me type of sales groups. This Facebook group, I actually created it to help build relationships, strong relationships and conversations. But more importantly, you can also plug into some of our special events and get invitations. But it's just a great, great tool. And everyone comes from a place of value, which I absolutely love and endorse. So listen, guys, if you're not already part of our Facebook community, make sure that you go to www.facebook.com. Okay, forward slash groups, forward slash become a game changer. All right, uh, I'll ask you for a few questions and make sure that you do that right now. Pause this audio, okay? Uh, go to the Facebook group and uh, introduce yourself and look forward to seeing you in there. Take care, bye. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today, I have a special guest on the show. His name is called Nick Nanton. Nick is an, um, an, is an Emmy Award-winning film director and producer. He's also a, uh, also worked with a, a variety of different uh, celebrities, from, from Sir Richard Branson to Will I Am to Steve Forbes to Jack Nichols to Jack Canfield to Brian Tracy. Um, an abundance of many different celebrities. Uh, he's also the best-selling. Um, he's also written two dozen best-selling books as well. One of them is a Wall Street Journal best-selling book, which is all around story selling, which is which I'm going to be talking to Nick a little bit about. And you know, I- I'm just so fascinated about Nick's uh, CV, but more his uh, career as well. So, Nick, just want to say welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. It's awesome to have you. So, uh, you know, it's really interesting because, I mean. <sighs> I'm really fascinated to know how you kind of got into the film industry and, you know, cause it's quite a, it, you know, it's, it's quite a, a niche, I suppose in a way, but I'm really fascinated to know how you got into media and how you ended up working with lots of celebrities and things. Where did this all start for you? Yeah. So I, I started writing music as a kid when I was six. I started songwriting at six. I, uh, or so I started playing at six, songwriting at sixteen. I put out my first record at eighteen, and so through all that, I was um, learning the process of creating media. I didn't really even know what that meant at the time, but that's what I was doing. Mm. Uh, I went to college. I managed some bands. I went to law school because I wanted to be in the music industry. I managed more bands, and what I found myself doing more often than not was helping produce albums, um, getting distribution deals, uh, creating. I had to create all the album artwork. Sometimes I had to create music videos because none of us had any money. But we, I actually worked with some bands that were really good. But you know, breaking through um, in that industry, particularly at the time, uh, was was tough. Uh, still tough to break through. I think there's some more tools at our disposal now. Uh, mm. But 
more crowding also. So what I really, when I started learning to create media, I would say was I had a one particular band that I was working with and we got them, uh, I talked our way into a distribution deal, which basically meant there's a company that was going to take the CDs because that's what we had back then <laughs> and was going to put them in record stores all across the country. Well, so a couple of challenges that presented. Uh, number one, they liked the music. So that got us there. We produced a good record. Um, we didn't have enough money for a good photo shoot for the record. So we ended up coming up with a concept um, for the band that was drawing them like cartoons. And we made it sort of like a, a parody of the Rice Krispies <laughs> box. There's a band the genre music is called power pop so we created an album called power pops so we did the whole thing and so i had a friend who was broke like the rest of us in college you know for like a hundred bucks he drew them all we made the i designed it all like in uh, photoshop or whatever it was and so we we're able to to come i realized when we were going to put this album in stores that we would be you know on shelves with uh, metallica and blink 182 and whatever else <laughs> And they had unlimited budget, seemingly, and we had no budget. So I had to learn pretty quickly, what can I do to help this stand up next to those albums and those bands people know? That was number one, so you don't get laughed off the shelf. Um, number two, I learned a big lesson that just because they were there didn't mean anybody knew that. Uh, the other, the second part of that was the marketing of it. Now that you're, now that you've pressed all these CDs, you've got them all in the stores. You actually have to now market to tell the world they should go there and buy the CD. And we were not prepared for that at all. So we basically got a bunch of CDs shipped back to us. But so that's that's really when I started getting into media creation. Um, I manage a bunch of bands. I give you the short story. My mentor, my business partner now for uh, almost twenty years, he uh, had been in business, you know quite a, a while longer than me. He said, Hey, I see what you're doing with bands. You're really creating their brands. Mm. Uh, if you would do the same thing for business people, uh, you could actually feed your family and you'd probably be happier. And so I said, well, let's try it. And so we did. Uh, and then it ended up with me writing the book with my business partner, how to do it called celebrity branding. You how to become a celebrity in your own industry, taking all the tactics we used with our clients that I've learned from entertainment. He brought from marketing and sort of how we combine those. And then I started speaking all across you know, the country and then the world and other things like that. And I, I just was, uh, we now have helped over 3,600 clients in 67 countries, I believe it is around the world, build their personal brands. And what I found fascinating about working with these people was that they all had their own stories. I mean, it's, it's sort of cliche, but they all had a story. There's always a reason why they ended up coming to me and they had something they wanted to do. But on the surface, there was, you know, a hundred financial advisors or 200 personal injury lawyers mm -hmm. and, and the general public doesn't know how to differentiate. And so as I started digging into working with them, I, I tell people this, um, you, people get very confused by the term brand and branding and you can spend as much money as you want on branding and i'm not knocking that but just to distill it down very simply for people uh, here's what i say your brand is nothing more than your story mm. and branding is simply storytelling a great brand is a story that the world wants to tell for you so at the end of the day the best story wins so what i was doing is what i would do with each of these people was we would dig down with them to try to figure out you know what is your story what is what makes you uniquely suited to serve your ideal client and it, you it's all the things that we take for granted because they happen to us oh that's not big that big of a deal because it happened to me if it was a big deal it happened to someone else or, or that's not that big of a deal it's really easy well it's not it's really easy for you because 
natural talent. It is not easy for other people, right? So we started going down this road. And as I was doing that, I just got interested. I said, I wonder, you know, we started publishing a bunch of books for clients. I created some TV shows. I'd done mm-hmm. my fair share of video production. And I was just like, man, I wonder what it'd be like to do a documentary. And so uh, I found a story. I really have found me, but I was open to looking now for a story about a little boy uh, with Down syndrome who played T-ball. And I said, you know, and his mom wrote a story about his first season in, in T-ball and it, and it made everyone who I showed cry. And it was just a short little story they were putting in the local paper. So I went to some clients and said, hey, I'm going to try to make this into a short documentary. Would you support me? I'm going to tr- I'm try to win an Emmy. I don't know what that means, but we'll see where that goes. And and uh, I had a couple of people say yes. We went on the journey and we got we made the film, raised a lot of money for uh, you know for Down syndrome uh, for children, and we uh, had a lot of people promote it. We sort of did like a product launch, but with the the short film. And uh, and then we got two Emmy nominations. I won my first Emmy, and I just decided that that was was honestly it was one of the easiest things I'd ever done. And and I think it's because of all the other experiences I'd had. It was really a good fit um, for my, I guess, my experience level at that time, but I also for my my skill set. And and I really just learned how to build a team. And mm-hmm. and it was the easiest thing I'd ever done because I just oh I got a friend who's really good at this. Let me have him do this. And this friend's good. And I was just sort of like the orchestrator. And so I would I had a vision and I knew what I wanted and everyone knew what I wanted. And we all worked together to make it happen. And it was like man, that was so easy. So my business partner's like. You know, he's like, you you did your first film, you had two Emmy nominations, and you win one. He's like, I think that means you're supposed to do more. And so I started talking to some of my clients because at the time we had a personal branding agency. I said, hey, do you want me to – I'll make a short documentary about your business. At the time, I think we charged like, I don't know, $10,000 or something like that, and you know, now it's – you know, 50 times that. <laughs> we've we, we got a lot more in depth than what we do too, but I went out and did a couple of those and they just started going. So, you know, now I've made 65 documentaries, been all around the world and interesting, precarious situations mm-hmm. in some amazing places that people don't get to go. And it's been, uh, been an amazing journey. So you asked a question, there's the answer. Wow. That's fantastic. Listen, I know that you're working with Larry King on a really interesting documentary, which I'll ask you a little bit later, actually, but what really, um, I guess my my kind of thought process off the back of what you've just said actually is what are the, I suppose, similarities have you found between um, human connection and telling a good story? So at the end of the day, there's a, we talk about in our book, Story Selling, there's a, um, a concept called transportation, and mm-hmm. it's very simple to understand. You know, when it, if you think about when you're reading a good book and you put yourself in the main character's shoes, um, you've, you've been transported into that character, right? You can see everything mm-hmm. from first person. And there, there's a level of empathy that that creates as well as there's all sorts of brain chemistry uh, that we talk about in the book, not too in depth because we're not brain scientists, but that make you have um, a, a literally a, a bio biological reaction to what's mm. going on. You, you start feeling certain things. You start getting anxious. You start you know, feeling sad. You start. And so there are elements in stories that are just are, are humanizing. And so what we really try to do whenever I tell a story, I try to get to the heart of everything because at the end of the day, um, human beings have, I know we're in interesting times, but I, it's really interesting when you talk about politics and talk about disease, you know, we have the COVID pandemic, like, I mean, 
humanity is humanity. This is this is really there's nothing new. We've e- evolved. You know, you give us technology, we find a way to do good things with it. There's a small portion of people find a way to do bad things with it. So, like, I, I don't really like the narrative like that. Um, you know, we're in a much I don't know, in a much worse off place than we've ever been. We're in an amazing place. Mm-hmm. We just have different people, you know, using the tools that we have. And, and as humanity, we do evolve and do different things. And so every new technology is going to be going to be used or every new invention discovery going to be used for good and bad. That's the double edged sword will never go away. So I always just try to get to the we have more in common than we have not in common. And so I just try to get to the soul of that. And then, you know, we, we cover some major plot lines and other things that are devices that people use. But at the end of the day, I would say, I, I think, um, actually I learned this question from, uh, my, one of my best friends, my, my cinematographer for years before he went off and got famous. Now he directs a bunch of reality shows for Amazon and Mark Burnett and stuff. But my friend Rami, who's the second episode of my Larry King show. And, um, you know, the question is, you know, how did that make you feel? And it's a very simple question, but such a humanizing thing to, because everyone has had feelings. And so when you hear a story about somebody, if you, when you hear a story about someone winning an Olympic gold medal or someone being kidnapped by ISIS, I was just recently filming Iraq and I was, I interviewed seven or eight people who had been kidnapped for years by ISIS warriors. And like, you can't really comprehend what that would be like. Like you, you can sort of think like every kid's been in the backyard, hits the ball and runs the bases or whatever. Like they just won, you know, the World Series or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you, but the, the next question that really takes you into the mind and makes that connection is, you know, and whether you ask it this way or not. But what you're really trying to get is, you know, how does it make you feel? And so, so it's all about trying to get people, human beings to connect. I mean, really, honestly, the selfishly, the only reason I really make documentaries is because I was young. We talked a little bit about before we started recording. I'm from Barbados, had a great family, but we didn't know a lot of people. I didn't have mentors and the things I wanted to do in music and, mm. and then now in film and other things. I want to create a library of work that can inspire. I mean, whether it inspires people for 10 years or hundreds of years, like the fact that I made a documentary that has clues about success from Peter D. Mandis and Richard Branson, and all these people that a, a kid or an adult who is in doesn't have a lot of resources can watch for free based on Amazon or even a lot of times we put stuff on YouTube. Like that's why I do it, because I know I needed that type of content and books were great for that. But we have many other mediums now and I choose to use the medium of film because I, I just I'm much better filmmaker than writer, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> You know, it's interesting because I think I was actually speaking to a friend of mine on a podcast this week and, you know, and he was like, Adam, why don't you read, why don't you write another book? Why do you write? And I'm like, listen, dude, I'm not there, man. I I prefer to do like video and audio, right? That's just kind of my medium. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up. But listen, I know that you work with a lot of big celebrities, business owners and entrepreneurs uh, alike, but where do you think, what do you think from experience, Nick, where do you think? they get it wrong in terms of storytelling? Where do you think they get it wrong? Uh, we, I, I touched on it earlier, but I'll make it more obvious now. Mm. It's that the, uh, everyone, everyone, most everyone feels like, um, number one, that they've lived their story. So they think it's obvious to everybody else. So we just think everyone knows because, you know, I might've told, Look, I've been on, I don't know how many hundreds of podcasts now, and I've told that's, you know, the, my sort of origin story in different ways. Sometimes I leave out some details, sometimes bring in more, something, whatever. But 
there's how many millions of people have still never heard that, but I've said it so many times. Mm-hmm. I feel like the world should know it. So I make the mistake <laughs> of assuming the world knows it from the time I meet somebody new. Um, the other one is that because I lived it, it wasn't that big of a deal. So, you know, if, if you are a doctor, um, most doctors, are like, yeah, I'm a doctor. Yeah, I went to med school. That's what you do. But because that was like the, the barrier to entry just to get in the door was you had to do that. But the rest of the world is pretty impressed like you all the you had to do all these residencies and fellowships and go to school so and so we we take our own story for granted mm. and when you look back at your life there's there's typically if we're going to get into like I don't like therapy here what I would say is you basically would start like write down 10 or 20 events in your life just that were were positive and negative, maybe 10 positive, like highlights and 10 negatives. And I would say if you were to go through a list like that, um, the fact that you remember them is a big deal. They are in your subconscious, whether you talk to them regularly or not. Like I remember as clearly as yesterday, a third grade teacher telling me I was stupid because I couldn't remember math multiplication problems. Like I remember it like <laughs> yesterday and I've forgiven her now, I think. Uh, <laughs> but I know that part of that drove me to show the world I'm not stupid. I have something to offer, right? So when you go through these experiences, they they marked you, um, you know, both positively and negatively, but you can use them all for the positive. But everything that you've been through is what is what led you to the moment you're in Mm -hmm. and the career you're in and the people you can help. So if you're willing to talk about uh, if you were an alcoholic or you got divorced or you hated school or whatever it is, um, those are things that will connect you to other people because there'll be people like, man, yes, that is, that is my person. You know, I, I, I wasn't sure I could really, you know, I wasn't sure there would ever be a, I don't know, a dentist that would understand me or a brain surgeon or a, a, a business consultant. And it's, it's by connecting those human moments. So I would say that we all, we all write off our own story because we lived it. So we lived it day by day, year by year. It's not a big deal to us. You know, I mean, I've now, I've worked with so many high performers that, you know, thankfully they aren't drinking their own Kool-Aid to some extent. They're not like, oh, I'm really important. You get some of those, not many of them, like the Mark Cubans, the Richard Branson's, I mean, be like Lisa Nichols, like amazing people, but it's just like, that's just what they do. I would say, you know, I, I was interviewing Tony Robbins, not to name drop, but I do love Tony, but Tony said, you know, human beings desire progress. Like we need progress. Like if you're not moving forward, you feel like you're moving backward. And so when it takes a while to create the type of momentum to be able to do the things on that level, they don't normally just pop up overnight. I mean, every now and then someone might win a lottery or something but really every everything you are leading to is pretty much sequential but to build the momentum to play on that level but once you get to that level it's sort of just another day i mean tony robbins is talking to another world leader every day because that's what he's been working up to for the last 50 years of his life and so (laughs) we often write that off and we often think that we can never get to that level um but we can we just have to have to understand you have to really want to and that's be a reason you can say i want to be famous or i I don't subscribe to that but Mm -hmm. if there's a reason that you can serve other people at that level you and you get started um, there is a path to that but so long-winded answer but i think people write off their own stories because they live them 
Yeah, it's a good point, actually. But there was actually something else that came to my mind when you were actually speaking, because I, I feel that, you know, I get, especially from a lot of conversations I have with a lot of uh, sort of really big brands and, and, and personal brands is that there's this kind of, I suppose, fear factor in terms of vulnerability. If you If they share their story, right, and they're going to expose themselves or whatever it is. Have you ever come across that? Um, I guess so. I mean, a lot of people are reluctant and it's, um, most people do have an idea of the way they want to be seen. Mm. So they often, uh, you know, often you have to be careful the way, um, you, people will connect dots sometimes differently than you will. Right. So is, there's a hesitance in a lot of cases of people to come out and share things. I mean, I, I've dealt with it the most in cases of like, you know, I interviewed this woman uh, on this film we're doing on human trafficking in the Middle East. And, you know, the woman was was bought and sold by ISIS soldiers for six years. And, you know, her community, she comes from a particular small religious sect. And many times if a woman has been, you know, uh, sexually abused, they're they're no longer fit for anything like they're mm-hmm. sort of useless and and so she stepped up and said no i'm going to share my story because i want other women around the world to understand that there are other people who have been abused like you and it doesn't mean that's the end of your life it can be you can find a new beginning and not to put words in her mouth but that's essentially the message i got from her and she's an amazingly talented woman Mm -hmm. so she wrote a book she's traveled the world she got like a mother Teresa award but it's so when i see someone like that willing to share their story those are the hardest ones because obviously it's super i mean what are people going to think but i think um i think when you share your story and you are uh and you're authentic about it i guess people will always take pot shots i have a friend who who says it well the higher that you climb the flagpole the more your ass is going to hang out (laughs) and so you know you're gonna have to deal with some of that but um, it's, it's so rare. It's really funny. I mean, I always wonder, Hmm, what, where, where's someone going to take a pot shot at me for, for whatever reason? Cause there's people who are angry, right? There's people mm-hmm. going things in their lives, whether it's jealousy or they've been abused or like, there are genuinely a lot. I mean, most of them live on Twitter. There's a lot of people out there who are just mad at the world. I just did an episode again with my show in case you didn't know that's on Amazon prime. The one Larry King produces uh, right, Larry right. was the first episode. I said, my friend Rami was the second episode, Lisa Nick who's incredible from The Secret and amazing speakers, number three. Number four is Anthony Scaramucci. And uh, anybody who knows anything about politics, which I don't cover really, he was the, you know, the White House communications director for 11 days and then got very unceremoniously fired in the news, very embarrassing, whatever. And I interviewed him. And he had a lot of great things to say about that because really he had been on a – he went to Harvard Law School. He was running a hedge fund, a very bright guy on a – very upward trajectory and then his life got blown up by the media after like 11 days of this big post in the white house and sort of a big embarrassment and a you know a bunch of people you find out who your real friends are first of all but but it really he he sort of said you know when that happened to me he said i made a mistake i deserve to be fired but there are people who are just angry at the world there's nothing i can do for them but I, I realized after a few days, after a few weeks, and I got back to work just doing what I was doing before, and 
if that's the worst thing that ever happens, he's like, it's really not that bad. I mean, there's like, you know, everyone would be afraid of being on, you know, ridiculed on the front page of every newspaper in the world, basically. But this too shall pass. It goes away. Right. And so when I interviewed Anthony, I put something up on Twitter and oh my gosh, I got like just vitriol, just just the rudest. I'm like, man, you should meet the guy. He's a really decent guy. And so, you know, you, you can't worry too much about it. I think, um, it's a process for everybody. Mm -hmm. I would say share what you're comfortable sharing. Don't share what you're not comfortable sharing, but I will tell you as someone who's told many a story with many person around the globe, the more willing to share it, all the good, the bad, and the ugly you are with the world, you will be, you will become addicted to, the the level of connection and depth it creates with other people because mm-hmm. they can see instantly who you are and connect with you because they you've mm-hmm. you've opened up you know sort of your deepest parts to them and most people are very respectful of that and just will be able to connect with you better love that because it's kind of like you know and, and i really dislike people scratching at the surface level i love that kind of deep connection do you know what i'm saying you when you work with because i know that you work with some you, you mentioned tony robbins you mentioned to richard branson and stuff is there a process that you work with when you work with some big celebrities is there a process that you work with in order to create a story or whatever it is whether it be for a big event whether it be a speaking event or a direct a documentary or whatever it is is there a process that you follow there is. I've developed it over messing up a lot. Uh, thankfully, you can't tell in the end. But <laughs> we, we really the way we start now is I have an idea of the story I want to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, a very talented story producer and writer uh, who will – I've used multiple over the years, but um, that will write the outlines for me. And I sort of tell them, here's what I think I want to get, but there, but do some more research, find things I don't know. We'll typically try to do a pre-interview with the celebrity or whoever if we can and try to learn some things that are unique or that other people haven't talked about. And then really um, my story producer creates an outline for me that is – I often use the analogy of, you know, of a baby. And so this, this outline is like an ultrasound. Like you can, you know, there's a baby and you have an idea. It's probably going to be a little bit like, I don't know, me and my wife, like we would imagine, but until it comes out, that's a different game. And so I also tell people this outline, there's a lot of work been put here, but it really is just so I don't forget any really important people, places or things or ideas. But compared to the final film, and I also have to apologize to my story producer. I'm like, this is boring compared to what we're going to end up with because all we know is what we know. But the magic moments happen when, you know, if you see my Larry King series, he says, you know, let me tell you, you know what? I'll tell you something I've never revealed before on camera. Like, all right. You know, and, and so you start getting these human moments. And what I learned along the way was I used to have my outline and I would try to stick to the outline because this is the story I'm going to tell. But I then realized very quickly that when someone's eyes light up and they start taking you down a rabbit trail, um, that's usually the story you want. It's a story that they're excited about. And, you know, there's there's nothing worse than hearing or watching someone tell a story that's not excited about it at all. That's like mm-hmm. the kiss of death. So go with where they're excited. And so I have the outline. I do the, I do the interviews. And of course I, um, you know, I turn it over to my editor. I give him the outline. I said, here's all the footage we've got. Here's the outline. I let him, let him do his thing. You know, I, I, I found that building a team of people that are better than you is amazing. Um, I, there's a book that 
I read during the pandemic, which is a really good book. I've become, I've known his wife, but I hadn't read his book and I've become friends with him. But the book is called The Bezos Letters by Steve Anderson, written with his wife, Karen Anderson. And he, there's a concept in there that I'll, I'll break down not nearly as eloquently, but he says, essentially, Jeff Bezos, one of his principles is essentially never hire someone you don't admire. Mm-hmm. And that could be anything down to a house cleaner. Like you should admire how much they love to clean and make sure everything's in order or an assistant or so many people look down on people with a, a job that pays less, which I, I mean, it's a common thing in society, but as you, when you shift your mindset from that and you just say, no, I just want the best. I want someone who's way better at that than I am. And I want to admire how good they are. And when you really add the, you don't admire somebody who does a half-assed job. You just don't. You admire people who really take care in what they do. And they, they're one or two or three steps ahead of you or a man. I never would have thought to do it that way. And so my whole entire team and my crew is that way. I just admire that. I I could not write that outline. I could not edit that film that way. And I, and I think the good news is they don't have the relationships that I do. They couldn't do the interview the way I do it. So we all just work together um, with our own talents and you end up with something that's far greater than, you know, than the sum of all of our parts. It becomes a whole new, whole new baby. It's a whole new life. Uh, And it's fun to see where they go. I love it. Very good. Just out of curiosity, um, because if a lot of our listeners are, I suppose, entrepreneurs and business owners and CEOs of multinational companies, how can we adapt adapt our storytelling or whatever it is that we want to get out to the world into our own business? I mean, there's so many different media formats now. I think Mm. so. We talked about branding being storytelling and Mm. You know, the best story wins. And what most of us don't do is effectively share a story. And with the with the opportunities we have now, I really feel like the world has shifted to real-time storytelling. And so we have many mediums at our, you know, at our fingertips from, you know, podcasts to, I mean, group Zooms to, uh, like, I'm doing a, a live stream later today on Facebook that will become one of my podcasts. Like, uh, we have Instagram, we have YouTube, we have all these all these things we could be doing and using in order to share our story. Uh, and I would say don't get overwhelmed by all of them. Find something you like to do. So I've spent an awful lot of time working with uh, Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach. Uh, Dan has a concept called Unique Ability, and the real concept is everyone is born with a unique ability. And your job as an entrepreneur is to uncover what that is because right now you're doing way too many things that are outside of your unique ability that are taking – they're just sucking your energy. Energy. And so you really need to be finding what is it that is in my unique ability and then build a team around unique ability teamwork, having other people filling in the gaps because that's their unique ability, not yours. And my unique ability is having impactful conversations that lead to produced outcomes. Now, we could break that down for a while. It took me like 10 years and lots of money to figure that out. But, you know, having, you know, uh, impactful conversations that lead to produced outcomes. So that's, that's all I do. So you asked me to be on a podcast. No problem. You asked me to write an article for your magazine. Nope. Unless you give me a writer to work with, I can have an impactful conversation with them and they'll produce the outcome that I want, which is going to be an article. So I have a team that does. So, okay. Just as part of real time storytelling, 
the way that I choose to do it is through interviews. So because I love sharing other people's knowledge with the world and, and hopefully I have a unique insight on it. So like today, uh, I'm doing an interview. I had my story producer read the book, watch a lot of other interviews, do other things and give me an outline. And essentially the way I like doing it, I tell her this is my process. I say, write an article about the subject as if they were the cover story on a major magazine. And so she puts all sorts of stuff together, tries to find new stuff, tries to read the books, does all that and gives me a story. And so I have the interview at, uh, it is at 3 p.m. Eastern time today, so it's 12:30 now. Right. So I've got my I got my outline here. I'm going to my story. I will read. I haven't read it yet. I will read <laughs> it about 30 minutes before and make notes on it and just mark it up so it's super fresh in my head. And then I'll do that interview. I used to follow these outlines an awful lot or these stories and just go piece by piece. Now I've realized that the best conversation, um, it's, I'm a songwriter. I write a lot of country music. I go to Nashville and I have a publishing deal there. And, and, and the saying up there is we should write, you know, what song are we going to write today? And most people are like, well, how do you know what to write? And the common response is, well, we just write the best song in the room. We just write the song that's in the room that day. And so to me, I sort of take that over to podcasting and say, I want to have the conversation that's in the room that day. So this is historical information. There's, there's also real time information. So let's, let's cover the real time. Now, now that I have, um, now that I'm well informed about your history and we can talk about it, we can dig into it whenever we want, but let's just have the conversation that's being had. So I will have that conversation. Then it goes to my team. My team um, will edit it. So it, it stays up on Facebook, you know, cause it was done live. So the, right. we get 15, 20, 25 people on building it, but it's not a lot of people tune in live, but I like it better than doing it in a vacuum. I like, I much prefer to have a little bit of audience or someone will be laughing or make a joke or whatever. And I can, you know, we can banter a little bit. So then that that's on Facebook. Then my team takes it and they edit all the audio and add the bumpers and everything to put up on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and all that. They take the video and add those bumpers and put them up on YouTube and add that. Then I have a team that takes the video and creates four to seven what we call snackable clips, like video clips with text and headers and stuff, and start scheduling those out on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And then I have another team that listens to it and writes a blog post of the best lessons you can learn from it. Mm -hmm. So I end up with audio, video, snackable video clips, stuff on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and a blog and multiple, you know, um, shareable posts from doing one thing from, from staying within my unique ability. It's all I have to do is stay in my lane and everything else. I have a team that will do And By the way, during the pandemic, we started realizing I didn't start my podcast. I had a couple of false starts. I'll say before that, but it was the only thing I could really do during the pandemic to try to help serve other people was like, well, I got a pretty unique network. I could talk to some of them. And so, you know, it's, we're now, you know, it's whatever it's, uh, September, uh, of 2020. I started my podcast in April, I guess. I think I have 15 episodes up right now. And, uh, we started realizing that I started, I, I had a team of creative and technical professionals that could do anything from design a logo or write a blog post to produce a feature film. And they were all doing nothing. Like they had nothing. We had nothing. We couldn't go on shoots, couldn't do anything. So I created a network called the success network where now our clients, we have clients who have us do all these things for them. They just have to show up. Our team records and produces the podcast. We'll do the show notes. We'll do the, you know, we'll do the blog posts. We'll do the snackable videos if you want. We'll so we do that for our clients because we built such a good system for doing it, but it, it 
all comes back to just me staying in my lane and operating inside my unique ability, which doesn't like if I had to do the blog posts or the outlines or the social posts or the, I just would, it just would drain my energy. And so I don't do it. So I built a team around me that I admire how good they are at what they do. And so they handle the rest. So they do their job. I do mine. And it's, it's an amazing thing how much gets done. You know, I love that because uh, this is where I think we are very similar in our own ways, because what you've just said there is essentially you've taken one piece of content, whether it be a podcast, interview, whatever it might be, and recycle it into different mediums. Uh, You have a marketing team. I also have a marketing team. But guys, listen, I know it can be extremely overwhelming, right, with only social media platforms be able to build brand awareness, right? Which is crazy where where you can have a developer team like Nick has done or what I've done and and do exactly the same. Listen, Nick, I I know that we're, um, I'm I'm respectful of your time. Um, I know that you're working with Larry King, the amazing Larry King on a serious call in case you don't know. Is that correct? In case you didn't know, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, you've, and you're featuring people like uh, Seth Godin, uh, Sir Richard Branson, Lisa Nichols, who you mentioned and whatever it is and that kind of stuff. Tell us more about that. And, and when does it come out? And tell us more about that. Yeah. So the series right now um, is on Amazon Prime. Mm. Uh, there are five episodes out right now. We've got Larry King. We said Rami Romani. We've got Lisa Nichols. I have Anthony Scaramucci. And then uh, Dr. Nito Cobain, who's an amazing, amazing guy as well. Yeah, he's he's so good. And then uh, we're finishing up the sixth episode right now. We'll go live most likely in the next month is uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the uh, mm-hmm. author of Richard Poor Dad. And then I have in the hopper, I haven't even gotten to editing yet. We have Anusha Ansari, the first you know female private space explorer. We have uh, Glenn Beck. I have uh, Tim Ballard from Operation Underground Railroad. I've got Dean Kamen, uh, the inventor of the Segway. So we have a lot coming. And then we do just have a film that uh, we did a brief online launch. It'll be in global distribution uh, January 2021 called Dreamer. Uh, Dreamer is all about the people who the world told them to get their head out of the clouds. They didn't listen and they changed the world. And in that film, we have Sir Richard Branson, Seth Godin. We also have Lisa Nichols and Dean Kamen in that one. We have Peter Diamandis, the founder of the X-Prize. Jessica Cox, the first uh, pilot in the world with no arms. Uh, And so it's an amazing, amazing story of of what happens when when your dream is bigger than your audience's negativity and whoever that is. Um, and so, yeah, that's fun. But yeah, I would love, I mean, the biggest favor anyone could do for me right now. So I'll ask is to go to Amazon, watch in case you didn't know, and leave me some reviews, getting Amazon reviews. Even when we have thousands of people watch, I, I can't blame them because I don't go, I don't review anything on Amazon unless someone really asks me to. So please give us some reviews. Uh, I think you'll enjoy the show. It's a pretty different format than anyone else is doing. I call it a, do- a docu-interview series because it's an interview series, but it really, it sort of disappears into documentary pieces is about the person as they narrate their own life story. Cool. Listen, guys, do me a favor. Do what Nick has just said, right? Go to Amazon Prime. Make sure that you listen to the uh, listen to the documentary, watch the documentary, and leave Nick a review because we, what we want to do is we want to help Nick get the documentary out to as many people as possible, but we need your help to do so, right, Nick? Yes, thank you. I'd appreciate that. Listen, Nick, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversations and guys listen i hope that you have also picked up some insightful tips around storytelling a little bit about personal branding and so forth uh so nick just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today buddy likewise man thanks for having me on really appreciate it guys listen have a good one uh we'll see you soon on the next game changers experience take care hey you guys i just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the game changers experience 
I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.